You're listening to Save Yourself, conversations, ideas, and strategic thinking with the four founders of Unlimited Wealth. Join us for discussions, debates, and strategies that have brought them and their clients financial freedom, and how you too can break free from traditional boundaries to unlimit your wealth. Welcome, everybody, to Save Yourself Podcast, brought to you by Unlimit Wealth. John, what do you want to? What do you want to um, clue the listeners in on today? Yeah, I, as we've been talking today. I was thinking about, you know, where everyone's so focused on rate. Like, what's mm. the interest rate? And the other thing I was thinking, which is in, in, in interesting how, you know, interest rates in the markets affect the way we look at things. You know, like five, ten years ago when we were doing infinite banking, people were looking at four and five percent loan rate thinking, that's high. Mm-hmm. Like, that's really high. And now it's shifted. So is it fair to say there's a there's a fair amount of attention that is put on rate? Yeah, I mean, not just borrowing rate, but also what's my rate of return? Mm-hmm. Right. M- most people, that's the. So I mean, that's the first and maybe only question they know to ask with regards to their money. Sure. Or if there's a if there's an idea of a place to put money, man, that's the first thing. Oh, well, what's the rate of return? Yeah, it's like muscle memory. Yeah. Yeah. But what what's that? What does that tell us? What if if somebody said, "Okay, John, um, if you put one hundred thousand dollars in this account, the average rate of return is going to be four percent." Do you have any idea to know how much money you're going to have? Not really, right? Because the 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 rate doesn't tell us the volume or the dollar amount of interest. So we got to do the math and see. You know how long has the account been open? What is the sequence of those returns? All those things, blah blah blah. We don't want to go down that road. The point is, don't stop at rate of return. So, like even these whole life contracts, when we say they, you know, do four percent over time, mm-hmm. you know, ballpark, that doesn't sound very appealing, right? Mm-hmm. Most people think they could do better than that over time, and you should be able to in reality in the investment world. In the investment world, right? Mm-hmm. But for savings dollars. Even if you were to compare it to the investment world, if if my account did 4% over time, just like we illustrated, you might have an investment account that averaged some number greater than 4. That doesn't mean you have more money. True. You might, but it doesn't mean that you automatically have more money. So you get, we got to do the math. Uh, and then it, it does apply back over on the borrowing rate, too. You know, when we, when we talk about um, having access to capital that is stored – in a properly designed whole life insurance contract with a mutual life insurance company, right? We want to we want to have that as an option for a way to access capital. We 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 may not say that's the only way because we want to do the math. You know, somebody has that option. They also have the option probably to access a line of credit or borrow from a bank proper, mm-hmm. or use cash that's in a savings account or a checking account. We need to do the math on the cost of all those, and and not the percentage cost, but the dollar amount of cost. Math will pick a clear winner. Math, just math. And then we factor in the control piece of each of the three and decide, you know, which which way we, which way we want to go to access the capital. Nice. Talk about, like, learn – talk about earning on a large volume of money with a smaller rate, which you've kind of already done, versus the other way around. I think about this, John, more – 
really even in my own life, it's kind of one of the light bulbs that went off of me with regards to infinite banking and storing cash in these policies. Pre-reading our Nelson Nash's book, Becoming Your Own Banker, in late 2009, which is when I read read it for the first time, I, I didn't properly understand. You know, I, I wanted to work. I was a business owner at the time. I worked. I was trying to grow my business, and I wanted to take excess you know, and put it in the stock market. You know, whatever I wasn't going to use to grow my business, mutual funds, whatever the whatever the case may be. And so, but that excess was a very small piece relative to the total amount of dollars that flowed through my hand in a given year, mm-hmm. right? Every business owner would understand that, that the dollar that runs through your business account in a given year is a much different number than the dollar that you get to put in your pocket, sure. right? For sure. And and then, you know, you, you have excess. You got to come up with some excess of what you get to put in your pocket in order to put it away for 10, 20, 30 years in a, some sort of investment account, and hopefully it grows. When I think about, you know, you do that because you want to have a higher rate of return in investment. You take some risk, and you're hoping to chase a big number of return. Mm-hmm. You know, the growth, the twelve percent growth stock mutual fund that, you know, we're told is is reality, right? That's what you're hoping for. But what if you could save instead of ten thousand dollars a year, pick a number, and take a bunch of risk with it? What if because you were doing another strategy, you were able to save a hundred thousand dollars a year? Couldn't you take less risk? With a hundred thousand and get to a greater dollar amount than you would have to take with ten thousand to get to the same dollar amount. You could, right? That's not that's not anything earth shattering. But when you think about um, infinite banking, putting dollars into one of these contracts that can grow at a respectable rate over time, but you're not. It's not an or asset. It's and. So we're not we're not picking that, and that's our our final spot. We're going to put it there first, and then look for opportunity to grow and invest from that, invest from the excess that we have there, whether that's real estate, expand our business, whatever that might look like. So it, it's a it's something that has to be considered because most everybody would be willing to save more than they would invest because it's liquid, safe money. Just like you're willing to make a bigger deposit in your savings account because you can just move it right back to your checking account tomorrow if you have to have it then you're willing to send your investment account. That's with, you know, Raymond James or whoever whoever you whoever is helping you with that. So it's important. It's definitely an important concept to consider of um, you know, had you rather have a had you rather have a vehicle that maybe earns less but performs more like a savings account. So you're willing to save more there than to invest a little bit in an investment account and take a bunch of risk and hoping to get a great return. Another way, help me out if this makes sense to think about it, rate versus volume, is if you pose the question, hey, would you rather earn 12% on 1,000 or 4% on 30,000? Yeah. I mean, is that, that's reasonable. Yeah. Saying, hey, at the end of the day, what we're focused on are dollars. Mm-hmm. And rate is to be paid attention to, uh, but dollars are more important. Absolutely. Fair? Yeah. Well, I mean, if I ask you 30 years from now, would you rather have a higher rate of return or have more money? Which one would you pick? More money. Right. And those things may not those things may not be exactly the same. Yeah. A and, higher rate of return might not get you more money, just like the example we illustrated earlier. And rates are so confusing because there's, the you know, uh, most people, except for our business owners and people using leverage, when I feel like 
could be wrong, but majority of people think about, oh, well, you know, my truck, I got a 3.85% on, you know, 72 months, let's say. That sounds low, and that's that's good, but we look at, well, what's the payment? Mm-hmm. An- another way we look at things is say, well, if you have, you know, you have $10,000, to allocate and you're motivated for debt to pay off debt and you have one debt that you have two with $10,000 identical balances but by eliminating one you free up $1,000 and if you choose to eliminate the other one you only free up 500 does it really matter what the rates are on those things? No, it shouldn't. I mean, you should want to free up the most amount of cash cash flow possible, right? Sure. Yeah. So we're looking for in almost as much as possible, how do we get the most juice for the squeeze? Mm-hmm. And so what about this concept of let's, you know, we have tons of people buying equipment and, you know, transitioning off amortized equipment loans, inventory, the, you name it. Well, when, when we pay down on those kind of amortized notes, we're, we're paying down on an ever decreasing balance, correct? That's right. But when your cash values are structured and designed in the right way, which is what we've been talking about, those are compounding in a increasing, ever increasing environment, right? Which can add to confusion as well as it's why you said when I asked a question earlier. Well, you said compared to what, mm-hmm. and so uh, volume is the focus, not rate for sure. One thing I've we, we hear and we kind of we joke, but there's some seriousness in, in it is that you know that we help people buy dollars versus mm-hmm. renting them. Mm-hmm. We we explain that. Yeah. So and uh, come from another colleague. You know, there's no ideas that are original. No, right. Everything's kind of, recycled. That's for right. Sure. It kind of came from another colleague of ours that uh, we see a few times a year. Very successful and, and helps a lot of successful people. But he talks talks to his clients about helping them buy money. Right. Well, we uh, we we relate that to infinite banking. You know, if if you're going to use cash, you're basically buying a dollar to go do something else with it. So if you have a dollar in a savings account, let's assume now you, you maybe can have some earnings in your savings account. Hopefully, yeah. maybe you're earning two percent in sure. your savings account right now. Just just take a stab at a number. If you're earning two percent. If you take a dollar from that savings account, if you want to buy one of your own dollars, it doesn't cost you a dollar. If you have it out of there for a, just one year, it costs you a dollar and two cents, mm-hmm. right? Because not only did you take the dollar out of the account, but you gave up the two cents it would have earned had it stayed there. True. So if you're going to buy that dollar for a dollar and two cents, well, then you better hope it it overcomes that extra two cents for wherever you're going to put it to to hopefully grow your wealth even more, right? Yes, hopefully. When we talk about our dollars being when the with the life insurance company in an ever compounding environment, so we don't ever interrupt that, dollars continue to grow for forever, and we leverage against our account, we're renting the life insurance company's money. Mm-hmm. So, so if you've got one opportunity that takes a dollar to take advantage of, if you use your cash, it's going to take it cost you a dollar and two cents in our example mm-hmm. to take advantage of that opportunity for a year, whatever that opportunity is. If we rent the life insurance company's money, the ones we use are currently charging a loan rate of 4% to use their money. Our money is going to be the collateral. It's going to continue to earn and grow. But we're going to rent their dollar for $0.04. Cents. 
So it, it, it took four cents of capital to go do the same deal that it took us a dollar and two cents of our own cash to do. Think about that for a minute. Mm-hmm. The, the deal is not going to recognize where the capital comes from, but how does it change your rate slash volume dollar amount of return if you take advantage of an opportunity with four cents versus taking advantage of it with a dollar and two cents? And the deal is worth the same either mm-hmm. way. Right. Yeah. It's a big difference. For sure. And interesting was meeting with some turnkey. They're not flippers. Basically, they provide turnkey rental properties. So they're buying them at a discount, which they have to. And then they're borrowing uh, institutional or private money to rehab the property. Already have a tenant usually ready to go, and then they sell them to investors. And uh, it was pretty fascinating. And I was uh, sharing that concept, not any information about this company, to a, a friend and about, yeah, this you know, there's so many cool parts of real estate. And he said, well, why would they borrow someone else's money? And I thought, wow, I haven't done a very good job <laughs> explaining yeah. some, yeah. of this, some of this stuff. And, and I said, well, you know, their return goes up because, the, because they're not using their capital and they've priced it into, into it. They priced it, you know, the, the, the carrying cost of, of the interest is, is totally built in. And the whole, this whole idea of if you did a deal, I'm not saying that this is prudent or smart, but if you did a deal and you have none of your money in it, is it fair to say you can't even calculate your return on investment? Yeah, it just goes for infinity. Right. Yeah, because there's no, there's no second number to factor into the equation. There's no cost. Right. Which is sometimes when we're analyzing real estate deals, if somebody really can pull that off, not saying they should, it's we have to assign some cost to it just to wrap our arms around it, mm-hmm. which is pretty cool. Yeah. And that interest cost is a cost. And, and that's one of the places where we try to add value is not – you know, our our clients generally are going to find the deals before we find them. You know, it, it, let's let's stick with the real estate example. Our savvy real estate investor clients, it's rare that we would ever hear about a deal they hadn't already heard about it first, because they have their their ear to the ground. Oh, They're yeah. connected in the in the circles even more so than we are, and and they find the deals. Eat, sleep, and breathe it. Yeah, and we have no control over how that deal is going to perform. Right, it's going to do what it's going to do. But we can change the rate of return on that deal based on where the capital comes from. And so that's what we try to help them. Hey, if, if you're going to do this deal regardless, what if we can take your rate of return from 12% to 40%? Mm-hmm. You want to know how to do that? Well, you know, we, maybe we can do that. Maybe we can't. But those are the kind of questions we ask and we explore if, if we have options to help them in that way. Yeah. And one way, I, I mean, tell me if this is on point, thinking about rate versus volume. Client calls, says, hey, I want to buy, uh, this is in Auburn, Auburn University, War Eagle, uh, uh, homes, residential real estate to put college kids in for renting. Mm -hmm. And initially he wants to borrow against his life insurance cash values and pay cash for one house. And as far as his interest costs, we looked at it and said, well, you're not paying interest, but what are you giving up? And do you want, like speaking of volume, do you want one house or do you want 10? Mm-hmm. Do you want you know, a net rental pro- profit? Do you want that uh, 1X, 2X, 10X? And then we also looked at the risk factor of it too. I'm saying, but there was always that cost. If he had paid cash, you know how much he would have given up? 
lot. Yeah, whatever, you know, whatever it would have earned had he not done that, right? And the real, the the rental houses are going to rental property for the students is going to, I'm certain, do better for him than his cash would have done. Mm-hmm. But he has to give up what his cash would have done to get that, right? If he uses his uh, capital and his policies, leverages against it for the life insurance company money he doesn't have to give up what the policy is going to do it's going to also do that in addition to what the real estate is going to do yeah and the way it actually played out was uh it was hey use your life insurance line of credit for the 20 percent down payment maybe can't remember might have done 30 percent for his loan to value comfort level mm-hmm. and ended up getting multiple and multiple and then rates plummeted post-covid cashed out refinance got all a bunch of money out and his 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 cost to to service the debt was the same, mm. and he just expanding. Can you imagine if the guy just bought one house? What if that one hadn't been a good one? Uh, yeah. Uh, well, you know, a lot of people that use infinite banking, like there's a lot of patient investors out there. We talk a lot about the noise and short attention spans, but there is patient capital out there, and. It feels like some folks do a better job than others thinking long range mm-hmm. about their financial plan or any strategy. I mean, it's so hard to think, man, what's this going to look like in 20, 30 years? There's, there's several unknowns there. But one of the things Nelson talked to us about was like think long range, like think like a forester. Yep. How do you apply that to, you know, with, with everything changing so fast with technology AI, I mean, everything's moving very quickly. How would you encourage or how do you frame that that theme of or tenant of like, all right, we gotta think long range. Like how do how do you do that? How do you help people do that? Yeah, like we talked about in our in our FAQ episode, I mean that that is one of the barriers, if not the the um, heaviest barrier of why more people don't do this, it's just people want instant gratification. But we come across uh, like-minded people that not only will to think long range, in other words, uh, to the possible ends of their own lifespan, but when they think multi-generationally down the line, which is what your uh, keynote families in history, Vanderbilt's, Rothschild's, all, all those type people tried to do, Vanderbilt's turned into a different story mm. because they had some generations that didn't think long range, right? But a lot of those families, as the generations got taught, the, the older generations taught the younger generations, if they continue to think long range, that's what we that's what we hope our clients will do. And that's what we hope to do. We try to encourage them to do. We, we think if, if we're talking about taking control of the banking function in your life, what if it could, what if you could control it for every generation of your family henceforth? How does that, and you know, sometimes it's helpful to think long range. What kind of position would you be in right now if your great granddad had of thought? would have thought this way mm-hmm. what would your financial picture look differently if two generations ago mm. your granddad yeah. or three generations ago your great granddad would have thought i'm going to make sure that my family never has to use the bank again unless they just want to but they won't have to right because we're going to have a pool of capital that everybody's going to have access to and we're going to create generational windfalls that happen with each generation how much different would your picture look a lot, right? <laughs> a lot. Mine too, but but it has to start somewhere, right? And so uh, that plays into that's why that's why I think it's important. We say this is not a fit 
for everybody because it, it may not be. Mm-hmm. It may not be a fit for everybody. I do think it's worth everybody educating themselves about sure. whether, whether they ever take action or not. And even if they think they're not healthy enough, they're too old, if, if somebody's willing to think long range, none of that matters. Right. Yeah, and it's or there's this monster tree that was cut in Nelson's yard, and he took a picture of all the rings. Mm-hmm. And I'm not a arborist by any means, but I think you could, you know, someone who knows more about it, you can count those rings and get an idea of, hey, this this oak or this pine tree was however many years old. And you look at those rings, and they start, they really, on the back end, start getting, I mean, it explodes. Yeah. It's pretty, you know, one thing he pointed out. About those rings, do you remember what he pointed out about the spacing of those rings? Yeah. We're going to have some arborist correct me on this because yeah. I'm going to misremember. Mm-hmm. I know what he said was accurate, but if, if I say something that's wrong, it's because I'm remembering incorrectly. He talked about the growth wasn't the same every single year. Right. And there was different spacing in those in those rings. Seasons. Seasons. You know, uh, more rain or drought. That's or, right. You know, those things that would affect tree growth. Mm-hmm. Well, he equated that to your your financial life. And if you're doing infinite banking, there's going to be seasons where um, you know, the, the the policy itself is going to grow consistently. But there's going to be seasons where you have more opportunity to take advantage of and seasons where you have less opportunity. But look at the size of that tree. When you add all those seasons together, some grew less and some grew more. But what he pointed out was there was never a season where there wasn't growth. Right. It always grew. They count value. It, it never, never it went, ne- went, never went backwards. That's right. It never grew backwards. Right. right. So I thought that was a neat analogy uh, that he made from that tree ring. He even added it to his presentation there towards the end. You know, he'd have a he'd have a uh, up on the on the screen a, a cross section of that tree, and mm-hmm. he would talk about those rings for fifteen minutes. Yeah, uh, it, it plays well with infinite banking. With with gener- with the generational aspect, this is we'll get asked like, how do I? Okay, so I have it established on me. We're doing it, you know, use it for my generation. Whether it's paying for weddings or expanding cash flows, passive income, great. Well, then have them on my kids, and but like, you know, I'm, I'm wrestling with this right now. I have an eight year old who actually can do a weed eater pretty well, <laughs> and then the neighbors like it's like Tom Sawyer. It's great, yeah. And so they're out there just destroying all this lawn equipment. And I was thinking, what would be better, giving them my lawn equipment to go out there and try to have a little business or helping them get going and then saying, I know they're going to need a mower at some point, a safe one, <laughs> is that, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, the family bank's going to loan you the money, but out of your earnings, you're actually going to have to pay me back and you're going to have to pay me back with the interest. Yeah, how much interest? I think I'm gonna charge that little dude ten percent. You should, yeah. <laughs> Even though you can get access to it at four or five, depending on which policy you get. Well, I from. should because the depreciation, to, uh, the, you know, the wear and tear on the equipment is pretty rough. But um, and yeah, so it's interesting listening to other families talk about how uh, maybe their child doesn't want to go to college; they want to get an education and become, you know, own a plumbing company or what have you. Mm-hmm. You can still help them; it's not restricted that way. Yeah. It, it takes creativity and. And goes to that equipping instead of giving thing, but yeah. we'll, we'll go deeper. The we'll generational—that's that. that's that's a yeah. We can go far and wide with that. Mm-hmm. So, well, thank you, man. Enjoyed it today. Yeah, good talk for sure. Thank you, guys, for listening. This is Save Yourself Podcast, brought to you by Unlimit Wealth. You've been listening to Save Yourself conversations, ideas, and strategic thinking with the four founders of Unlimit Wealth. 
To learn more about Unlimit Wealth or to make a personal appointment, visit us online at unlimitwealth.com.